The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Know that as the holidays uh, start, this this message is geared towards um, us personally in a lot of ways, us and how we, uh, what Christ does for us in that peace, what it looks like. Um, and so uh, as we begin today, let's read our passage. I'd like to introduce Colossians 1, 19 through 20 to you guys as we begin. This is our main passage this morning. We're going to be kind of jumping around, so hold on tight. But uh, Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this morning. God, I pray that you would be glorified and you would be praised. Thank you for meeting us here this morning, and uh, I pray that as we learn more about who Christ is, what he's done for us, that that would build the anticipation, the excitement, the joy, uh, the hope, and the peace as we celebrate Christ coming into this world, uh, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for this gift, this Christmas season, which gives us true peace. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, you know, as Christmas holidays are quickly approaching, right, two and a half weeks away, it can be easy and oftentimes downright difficult to see the peace that God brings into our lives. You know, holidays bring out stressful situations, dinners, traveling, family visits, and just a a ton of other holiday festivities. So I looked at this article by the New York Post, and they polled um, a few hundred people, and they, they said, what's the adjective that most describes or closely describes your holiday experience. And uh, 60, or over two-thirds of the people polled said frantic was the word that described the Christmas season. Frantic. And you know, it's understandable. I mean, Kirsten and I went through our schedule uh, last week through the month of December. It was like, oh my word. (laughs) There's so much going on. So understandably, but Maybe Christmas also serves, though, as a, as a reminder of some sorrow in your life, as it oftentimes just does, uh, an emptiness which may be filled, uh, which may have been filled previously by a close one who is no longer with you. Or this, this time of year, there's a lot of personal reflection, and, and naturally, and that, that looming bitterness sometimes can take over as we dwell on our mistakes and shortcomings. So this holiday season, uh, I, I thought, what, what does the world have to offer for us as far as worldly peace? What, what is worldly peace in comparison to heavenly peace? So this article popped up on my uh, internet uh, browser entitled, 25 Ways to Fight Holiday Stress. <clears throat> so it was no surprise that, that these solutions were self-motivated, self-driven, And based in the idea that you can't have peace amidst the chaos. (laughs) There's no way you can have peace during the holiday season. One of the answers was take a holiday from the holiday, ironically. 
smell a citrus fruit in the morning. Take a walk. Get out of the house. Do things that make you happy. And, and yes, even our culture's most understood concept, the idea of sex, was encouraged as if this would help us with the unrest of our souls during this time. And what about the rest of the year? You know, what, what does the world tell us will give us peace after the holidays? Retirement accounts, a steady income, a relationship, good health, our government. You know, sadly, if we put our peace of mind in any of these things, we'll be like a man or woman lost at sea who thinks they can save themselves by drinking the ocean entirely. With each gulp, they may have some momentary relief from their thirst, but the effects from the salt water soon set in, and they find themselves thirstier than ever, having no more accomplished their goal of saving themselves than before. See, our, our peace that we have this season as believers in, in the cross and the gospel in Christ is one based not on what we do or what is going on around us. In fact, it is a peace that overcomes all circumstance relieves fears and failures, and places us on a firm foundation through every frantic moment. This peace that God gives does not require you to act selfishly. It does not come at a cost to you. But our peace is found in a real person, the free gift, the incarnate word of God, Jesus so, the, the definition that I'm going to propose to you this morning, heavenly peace, is trusting that the work of Christ removed the hostility between God and man so that sinners can now become sons and daughters of God. Trusting that the work of Christ removed the hostility between God and man so that sinners can become sons and daughters of God. This is what heavenly peace is all about. So our first point this morning, um, this, this has to do mostly with the, the act of peace that really doesn't have much to, or actually anything to do with our action, which is fantastic and uh, a praiseworthy thing, and I'll show you in just a second. But, but point number one is this, Christ gives us peace with God the Father. So how does he do this? Well, before we believe in Christ. Like if you're a Christian today, if you've put your hope and salvation in Christ and his work, before this, the Bible doesn't say we were just aimlessly walking around, kind of unknown to God, his ways. No, Paul tells us that we were enemies of God, incomplete against him, right? Like in a complete contradiction to God. And justifiably, our our result or our pen, penalty for that sin, our disobedience, should be punished by the wrath of God. That's what the Bible tells us, right? So going all the way back to Genesis, we learned that, you know, even Adam and Eve, their sin from day one passed down to us. This should result in wrath, and the wrath of God was upon us before we gave our life to Christ, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, and that's our death, right? The, the wages of sin is the result from that, or the, the penalty, the punishment should be our death. But, but the, the peace that Christ gives us and the joy that comes when Christ is born, our Savior, 
right, is that, that he offers us peace with God the Father. And he does this through our passage that we mentioned today. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. So when Christ came to this earth, it says that for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So you see that the act of peace that has nothing to do with us, there's nothing that you do that gives us this peace. It's the act of Christ dying on the cross, living that perfect life. And what joy that that, that peace has nothing to do with us, right? Like, there's nothing that we're going to add. There's nothing that we're going to uh, make God's peace uh, greater, right, with our actions. Another word for that is legalism. Or if I think I'm going to earn God's favor this way, or if I think I'm going to be at more, uh, or, or at more peace with God if I live a certain way, right? This, this peace that Christ gave us between God and us has nothing to do with what we've done, but everything to do with what he has done. So Christ satisfied the wrath of God. That's what Paul tells us. He endured our punishment to the end. And there's not one lash left. There's not one bruise ungiven that Christ took on so that our list of wrongs could be erased, our sins forgotten, tossed to the ocean floor, never to be found or brought up or mentioned of by the King of Kings. See, our peace relies first on our valuing of God's work through Christ, understanding and relishing it, trusting in Christ's work of redemption, that, that our account between us and God, it's totally paid in full. You know, if, we, if we don't see the value of Christ's sacrifice for our sins, or if we let it kind of gloss over, we gloss over it this Christmas season, I don't think you'll experience that lasting peace. Now, Okay, who here has experienced uh, uh, the, uh, the moment in which you go through a Starbucks or a, a, a drive through line and you get up to the window and someone says, or the, the worker there says, oh, your drink has been uh, paid for already by the person who was in front of you. Has anyone experienced that before? Aj, okay, get a few people. Awesome, that's cool. Well, I had this one winter, it happened to me twice. I was like, that's, that's amazing. I was like, that's so awesome. It happened to me twice. This was several years ago. So, of course, naturally, I, I decided to up the ante. I went to all these nicer restaurants, but my luck ran out. I was stuck with the bill. Just joking. <laughs> but, but, but it's a wonderful gesture, right? When you get up to that, that window, it's, it's very similar. Like God's peace is very similar in Christ's action on the cross. He, he paid your bill. Totally, entirely, and much more than just a drink or your food. <laughs> a spiritual consequence that would have lasted for eternity has now been completed in the wrath that God sent on Christ on the cross. So when we look at the price Christ paid for our peace between God and ourselves, we should be led into worship and praise of him, knowing that he has made peace with God through enduring our rightful punishment, which leads us into this next point today. So first, we want to know that Christ gives us peace between God and ourselves through no act of our own. But then point number two is that Christ gives us 
internal peace or personal peace. Christ gives us personal peace. Now, what do I mean that, by that? Well, what occupies your mind at night? What do you worry about? Is it your money? Is it your children? Your parents? A broken relationship? Retirement accounts? The future? The past? And choices that you've made in the past that maybe you're now living with those consequences? What, what is it that you worry about? What is it that occupies your mind personally? Well, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 has some wonderful encouragement about godly peace, what it does for us. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Christ gives us this internal peace. This peace that God gives us when we, from our relationship, right, when we put our hope in God, and now when we experience this turmoil, these trials, these upside-down moments, right, we go to him as our Father. When we're anxious about something, and with prayer and supplication, we believe he can supply it, we're grateful in our hearts, we make our requests known to God, he gives us peace, but not peace like the world gives us. See, Christ knew how much we are prone to doubt his promises and his work in our lives, and, and how we can be our own worst prosecutors. Is anyone like that here? It's like, if you make a bad choice, it's, it's terrible. Like, you, you, you keep thinking about it, or maybe, like, there's a sin in your life, and you're like, there's no way God's grace can cover this. Or, like, I don't forgive myself for the things that I've done in the past. Or I don't think that God's forgiveness is big enough for those crimes and those actions, right, in, internally that, I, that I've committed against God and others. Sometimes we can just be the worst Worst people to ourself, and Christ knows that. In, in John 14, 25 through 27, Christ is uh, he's speaking to his disciples just before he's going to go to the cross, right? Just before, and there's this, there's this message recorded in the Gospel of John. It's, it's heartfelt. It's, it's like a, a parent who's ready, uh, about to leave their child with a, a, you know, something very important, right? And you want to encourage them that they can do it. This is Christ talking to his disciples, one of the last things, or some of the last things he said was, was this. He said, all these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This peace that Christ is talking about, this, this peace that he leaves his disciples, that he leaves us, that he gives us when we believe in him and we trust in his work, what he's doing, and also in what he's called us to do, this peace is nothing like the peace of the world. The peace of the world doesn't last. I kind of thought about this, that 
you know, the, the peace of the world only gets us so far, right? The insurance, you know, you get car insurance, you get life insurance, you get these things that are the worldly peaceful, like get, get rest at night knowing that you have this kind of life, right? That things, if things go wrong, you'll be covered. Well, that really only gets you to the point where those bad things happen. You know, it's like if the bad things happen, you're still worried, right? You're still a car wreck happens, right? A family member passes away. There's, there's no peace there after the action. It might get you a little bit of like worldly peace, but that's it. Christ says, I, I don't give to you the way the world gives. I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. See, the troubles are going to come. Health issues will arise. We're going to doubt the promises of God in our lives. But you know, whether those moments are here now or they'll, they'll show up later is, is a matter of time sometimes. But the peace that Christ offers us is not flimsy. It's not fleeting at the moment of our turmoil. But God's peace through Christ protects our hearts and minds so that his glory may be more perfectly displayed in you as you deepen your trust in him. So Kirsten and I have some friends uh, who went through a terrible tragedy a few weeks ago. Um, their uh, parents, both their parents, uh, were on a plane trip back. The husband, I think, was a pilot, and he, um, uh, the plane crashed, and both the parents passed away. They died tragically. And they were uh, mid-60s, and we saw last night, um, Kirsten and I were out on a date, and we saw uh, the husband, and he was uh, walking by, Totally random. Nothing planned at all. Just the same restaurant. So we called out to him, and he came over, and um, you know, he just started sharing with us this loss, this terrible tragedy that his wife, it was his wife's parents. You know, this, this tragedy that his wife was going through, all the suffering and the pain. And, you know, all we could do was listen and, and encourage him to keep loving his wife and tell him that we're praying for him. But this moment that he is experiencing with his wife this terrible, tragic loss. Like many others, people in this room right today, we, we might even be currently going through these things. And these are the moments that God tells us that we need to get on our knees to tell God about our pain, our suffering, our doubt, our worry, so that our Father miraculously will give us peace. That goes beyond understanding. That goes beyond our questions, our doubts, our worries, our trials, anything at all. This peace that Christ gives us, that he started with his work on the cross, making us right with God, giving us his goodness, giving us his righteousness, this peace transcends, goes beyond our understanding, our experiences, our circumstances, and it's not based in anything that you do Okay, our point number three today. Let's keep going. Our last point is Christ brings peace between others or with others. Now, I need to uh, clarify this, okay, because there, there's a difference between peace that I'm talking about <laughs> and the peace that Christ talks about here too in just a second. So as many of us know, like, the holidays can be a super rough time relationally. <laughs> Not speaking from personal experience at all here, right? Um, 
But there is, there is sometimes a mixture or sometimes a lack of mixture between people who you haven't seen or we haven't seen uh, many, many uh, years or longer. And all the different family dynamics that arise when relatives are visiting, oh, that's daunting, right? <laughs> but I want to share with you some, uh, two things in particular about this peace that we have been offered through Christ, his work on the cross, that has to do with this, uh, these relationships this holiday season, okay? So first, Jesus says in Luke, though, we have, we have to kind of define this peace because Jesus says in Luke 12, 51, I know we've been talking about peace the whole morning. He says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? <laughs> no, I tell you, but rather division. And you're like, whoa, whoa wait a second. I thought he is the prince of peace. He, he definitely is. But, but this reference, okay, this verse is referring to the moment at which a, a person becomes a believer in the gospel. You may have relatives that do not believe in the gospel. And Christ tells you that there will be division at times. There will be a line drawn. Because when you identify as a child of God, you know how the Bible calls us? Remember how we talked about the Bible calls us that we were enemies before we had belief in God. So we, we were in total uh, antagonistic relationship before with God before we believed. So that means that now that you've identified as a child of God, you've given your life to Christ, you might have relatives that don't believe that. And this is the type of peace that Christ says may not come, and it actually might even divide your house. So, but let me be clear. <laughs> this is not a verse to, ex, uh, you know, to excuse going off or uh, telling off relatives who have overstayed their welcome or turned your house upside down over the holidays. <laughs> But Christ says that uh, these familial relationships may be disturbed because of his peace in your life. And again, enemies of God and friends of God. There's this difference if you've given your life to Christ. So what do we do when this conflict arises at home? What do we do over Christmas as our relatives are in the home and conflict arises? Comments are said. Well, Paul tells us that in uh, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. So it kind of says it twice, if possible, so far as it depends on you, right? Live at peace with all. So meaning that this, this has this idea that uh, to the, the non-believer, as much as it's within your power, your control, your actions, your words, your thoughts, your treatments of another person, another family member, you should be pursuing peace with them, not conflict. If you have been wronged, then practice what you have been shown in Christ and forgive. Remind yourself that God forgave you so that you may be a blessing to those around you and your family members who come in that may not know Christ or may not have experienced this forgiveness ever. Might be a wonderful time for some conversations to happen around the dinner table or even uh, in that moment where you're playing a family game and someone gets too uh, animated and heated, which didn't happen in my family last year. <laughs> but if you find it hard to forgive others, remember that price Christ paid for you and that forgiveness and the peace that he offers you. You're at peace with God 
You have personal peace that he's given you. So be at peace with others. Resolve conflict. Talk to your spouse or your family member or anyone who has said something hastily and foolishly. And likewise, be eager to forgive Especially as you see the faults and the uh, uh, as the proximity uh, uh, breeds familiarity with people's uh, shortcomings, right? <laughs> so, as you find out uh, those uh, uh, shortcomings very personally over the holiday season, the Bible says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Blessed are the peacemakers, and Christ is a peacemaker. I just have this story quickly as we um, come to conclusion about uh, a, a personal story from my life and just about peacemaking. So I was a coach for a while, and I um, coached girls varsity basketball, and I I loved it. It was I I think of myself as wanting to go coach basketball again someday, but I'm not a coach anymore. So I'm coaching this team, and there was this moment where uh, you know I always I really prided myself on kind of keeping control of my attitude, of the emotions, and you know we were not a good team, and it was hard sometimes to do that. But uh, so uh, anyway, yeah, so. There's a really sweet girl that was on my team, really sweet girl. She was a, a junior, and I had been coaching her for two years. And uh, this is the type of player that you just want on your team. As a coach, uh, she loved um, just to, to, to participate in every drill. Uh, she always wanted to get better. She was uh, willing and eager just to, to go along with any game plan that I brought about, right, And um, as the coach. And anyways, just a really sweet girl. Well, she was also like, uh, anyways, <laughs> Uh, she was the rock of the team, really. She was. So uh, there's this moment in this game in the third quarter, late in the game, she, she gets the ball, and in basketball, like, she stole it. She's dribbling down. She's going up for a layup. And some girl who's much smaller than she is, much uh, shorter, like a point guard, uh, and this girl that I'm talking about is uh, uh, tall. She's like a center. She goes up for a layup. She gets fouled, right? And she totally misses the layup. And I look at her, and I do something that I regret totally, and I just did this. And to her, that was like, I didn't do enough, right? Like, like I should have made the layup. And I felt terrible because immediately this player, who I had a really good relationship with, right, started crying. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt like the smallest person in the world, right? It was so hard. And when we make mistakes, to acknowledge those mistakes, and so after the game, I pulled this player aside, and I, and I said, I failed tragically. Like, I am so sorry. Can you give me another chance at being your coach? Uh, because I, I don't deserve to be your coach at all from what I just did. And, you know, she looked me in the eye, and she said, yeah, I forgive you. And it was totally fine. Continued on. I coached her for another year. It was, it was fantastic. We had a really good relationship, passed in as a coach and a player, and, yeah, it was just great. But the peace that came over me is she's the one who could say, no, I'm not going to let you be my coach. <laughs> right? No, I'm not going to let you uh, uh, in my life anymore in that way, right? She forgave me. And so I, I want to encourage you guys that uh, when you do have hardships come, when you do uh, hurt relationships or hurt your family members even this Christmas, don't abandon the forgiveness experience, the peacemaking experience. Engage in it, even if it's your fault, especially if it's your fault. As followers of Christ, imitate Christ. Be a peacemaker, even when it's you that has to do the initiating. So in conclusion, as we continue to hear about Christ this 
Christmas season, came down in the flesh to take away the sins of the world. Remember that he has turned us from enemies into children. And if you let him, he will turn you from worrisome to trusting and peacemakers as you carry the gospel in your life. You live it out. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. I just want to reiterate this verse. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's this peace that Christ gives us from our faith in his work on the cross, the peace of being forgiven by our Father for so much and living as a child of God that, that he offers you today. He offers this peace to you today. And this peace is not the peace of the world, but it will last well beyond the Christmas season and will invade every relationship he's given you if you let it. This kind of peace surpasses all understanding, and every other worldly version of peace it has to offer. See Christ on the cross, ushering in peace between God and us, delight in his work, and know God's peace in Christ this Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for uh, your son coming to bring us peace into chaos, our chaotic worlds, our frantic lives, more so than just activities and events, but also internally with our sin, with our chaos, with our selfishness. Thank you for bringing us a Savior whom we can look to for peace, peace between you, our Father, peace internally and peace with other people as we strive to be peacemakers. God, we love you and praise you. We thank you for Neighborhood Church. We thank you for this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.